was given uh, an opportunity to preach to you the Word of God. I invite you, uh, please, to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, I will be speaking about the topic missions. And I entitled the message this evening, Standing Stones. Joshua chapter 4, beginning from verse 19, going to 24. So uh, may I request everyone to please stand, and we will read this all together. Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and encamped in Gilgal at the east border of Jericho, and those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you, until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which ye dried up from before us, until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that he might fear the Lord your God forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for uh, your wisdom, we ask for your grace, and as we ponder upon your word, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to understand it through the power of the Holy Spirit and that we, you may give us uh, grace in a way that we can live our life for your glory and honor. So, Father, I pray that you would guide us this evening and we commit to you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seats. It is always in the mind of God to save people from sin and condemnation. Even, even the world has begun. So basically, we can see in the scripture that missions is really the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it, and, and it is his desire to save people. Now, if we will read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Another verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse eight, uh, 9, I mean, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world begun. And the Bible is telling us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why God gives us this marching order, a task, a responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel. God wants basically to work with his own people because he cannot give it to the unbelievers, right? This is our 
uh, task or order or command that God has given to us that we should go into the whole world and preach the gospel. That's why God wants us to be always ready. Uh, during the American Revolutionary Revolution in 1800s, there's a group called Minutemen. I don't know if you heard this, but there's a actual group exists during the pa in, in the past, they call themselves Minutemen. They were trained to respond to threats at the moment's notice, meaning they were always expected to keep their arms and equipments with them, and in the event of an alarm, they are ready to march in a minute's warning. So that's how God wants us always in every circumstances of our life, whether we are at work, whether we are, you know, we go to every places, we are always ready to present, to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter three, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So dearly beloved, God wants us Christians to live a life that reflects the name of Jesus Christ, as standing stones, if you will, so that God will be made known in all the earth. You see, through our lives, God, uh, people will notice, will know who Jesus Christ is. So that's uh, what we were going to talk about this evening. What do we mean when we say about standing stones? Now first we have, we should, first thing we should consider in the passage is the regulation, regulation. I want you to I direct your attention to verses one to three of the same chapter, chapter four, verses one to three. The word of God says, and it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, take you 12 men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them saying, take ye hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, 12 stones and ye shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. So in the passage that we have read, it's in the place called Gilgal. So around northeast of the city of Jericho where they actually uh, conquered that land. So that's the regulation. We, are, we should understand that there are times God commands uh, his people to do something in a very specific and detailed way. Now, for example of that, when, when, when God commanded Noah to build an ark, this is very specific. He gave measurements. When, when God also commanded the children of Israel through Moses to build the tabernacle, uh, there's, like, there's a lot of detailed and specifics there, um, the instruments that uh, to be used for God 
and especially the EFOD and etc. There's a lot of things that going on there that's very specific when God commanded them to do. But sometimes he does it in an unusual way, right? For example, God commanded Joshua what to do in order for them to defeat the city of Jericho. Now, if you're there, now if you can imagine yourself going around the six days, what we are doing here, why we are going around here in the city of Jericho six days, and in the seventh day, we go for, from six times to seven times. And then we just shout. Now, this is not war. This is just like for other people, this is meaningless. But God commands sometimes in an unusual way. The second example that we can, we, I can give to you is God, when God commanded Gideon to fight against Midianites. <laughs> that's, that's also crazy, right? If you know the story, okay, we will go and defeat Midianites. How many of us? 300, <laughs> okay? For more than 100,000 men against 300. Okay, okay. And so let's go to battle. And what do we got? Oh, you have this a pitcher, okay? A trumpet and a torch. What we will do with this? So basically, God sometimes commands his people in an unusual way. And also, when God commanded Abraham to go out from Ur of Chaldees to go to the promised land. That is a step of faith. Because during the time, Ur of Chaldees is very, um, um, like what we, we can say, like North America, United States, or Canada, or something like that. And then you will command me to go to something that is not highly industrialized, without Wi-Fi. I'll be dead, okay? So that is a, a step of faith for him. And the word of God would tell us that he don't know where, where the specific place where God wants him to go. So God in, in, this, so in the scriptures would tell us, it teaches us that God is not man that, or he is, he doesn't think like man, okay? In Numbers chapter, chapter 23, verse 19, God is not man that he should lie, neither the son, of, the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, the word of God would tell us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are high than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So you see, God sometimes commands us to do a specific th a thing, but also he, he gives command in a very unusual way. For them, so in the passage that we have read, God commanded them to take 12 stones amidst the Jordan River and set it up where they lodge. Probably for some, this command is nothing but 
nothing or meaningless. But setting up a stone during their time is not new to them. It's actually, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a tradition during the time that whenever there is a special event, a significant event, or something like a covenant making, they would rear up or build a pillar, a standing stone, and some of them will stand as high as 18 to 20 feet. To give you a perspective of that, this is 18 feet. From that floor to ceiling, that's 18 feet. So 18 to 20 feet. That's, um, I would like you to, you know, to give a imagery, a, um, example. So I have this, I don't know if it's ready, okay. Okay, you know this place, right? It's uh, in, in Britain, Stonehenge, right? This is in Britain. That one is in France, okay, in France. So this one is in the place, uh, in the country of India. Uh, another one, example, Scotland. Another one here, this is in the, one of the Holy Land, if you know the place Megiddo, this is the north of, of the Promised Land. And the last one is there, Gezer. So there's a lot of examples that you can see, even unto this day, that they use standing stone. That whenever there's a you know, covenant or something like special event happen, people want, build a standing stone so that the reason, so that they will not uh, forget what happened during that time. Now I can give you also biblical examples for that. Genesis chapter 28 verse 18, God appeared to Jacob for the very first time when he fled uh, from his brother Esau, going to the place of um, Bethuel, okay, so Jacob, a God appeared unto Jacob, and Jacob, actually, you can read there in that passage, he built a pillar, a pillar. Another example also, Genesis chapter 31, verse 45, Jacob and Laban, you remember when his family fled uh, from Laban, and then they made a covenant, and Jacob and Laban built a pillar, a monument to remember that covenant. Another example, when God appeared, reappeared to Jacob and named the place Luz to Bethel, okay, Bethel, Jacob placed a uh, standing stone as well. And also in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, Samuel you know, God helped the Israelites to defeat the Philistines. Samuel built a pillar and called that place Ebenezer. That's another example. And last example is that when in, in 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 18, David mourned for Absalom. And he reared up something, a monument uh, for his son. So there you go. There are biblical examples. So God commanded them to set up a monument after they cross Jordan. 
We will see later what God wants uh, to do that 12 stones. Now the second, not, that's the first thing that we should consider. The second thing that we should consider in this passage is their response. Okay, response in verse 8 of the same chapter. The word of God would tell us, And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Now, one thing that you have... You can notice upon reading the book of Joshua is how they followed Joshua's leadership. Okay, I know, I know Achan, okay, so it's a very familiar passage to you. I know Achan disobeyed the command of God, but other than that, whatever God commanded Joshua, they followed. Now, to make you an opposite perspective of that, during Moses' leadership, I'm not saying that Moses' leadership is a failure, but I'm just, you know, um, comparing what you can notice in Ju Joshua's leadership and Moses' leadership. The people of Israel always murmur on many things, okay, in the leadership of Moses. In fact, the scripture will tell us that they tempt God 10 times, 10 times they tempt God and not hearken unto his voice. So God judged the people which murmured to him from 20 years old that they will not see the land, that they will not see the land and their carcasses shall fall in the wilderness except Caleb, Caleb and Joshua. Here in the passage, uh, we read that the children of Israel obeyed, right? It's something that um, uh, really to take notice of that. One man from each tribe so that, you know, why is it there's one from each of every tribe? So each tribe might have to, might have to tell a story to their generation. Okay? And each tribe might contribute something for the glory of God. Isn't that amazing how perfect God would use the imperfect ones like us to use for his glory? Right? It is really amazing. We are not worthy actually to be the carrier of this message. But God chose to use us. The third reason... To consider in this passage is the uh, reason, okay? The third thing that we, we consider in this passage is the reason. So we can read that on chapter 7, uh, verse 7, I mean. Okay, verse 7. Then ye shall answer, answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan the, wa the waters of Jordan were cut off and this stone shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever now in verse 23 to 24 the word of God would tell us for the Lord your God dried up the waters for of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over as the Lord your God did 
to the Red Sea, which dried up from before us until we are gone over. And notice on verse 24, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty. That for me, when every time I read that, that's missions. Every time it says that all the people through the lives of these Israelites may know that there is the true and living God. Now God wants to work with his people so that the world will see, will see him through our lives. That's the, the design of God. Now have you, have you ever asked why did God brought Abraham to the promised land? Now, sometimes I, when I do the Bible reading, I just you know, ask questions. It's good, it's good, because it creates you know, thinking. So why, have you ever asked why did God brought Abraham to the promised land? So I'm sure there's, there's several re reasons for it. But let me, show you, let me show you one important reason why God commanded Abraham to go to the promised land. Okay, so I'll show you one thing here. Okay, so if I draw your attention here, um, around here is the ore of Chaldees. So Canaan is here. Okay, so the, during Abraham's time, that two, there's two empires. Okay, so big, okay, Mesopotamia, and this one here in the south, in the west, southwest, is the empire of Egypt. They needed each other during the time in order for them, you know, to live. They need trades, okay? They need trades. So they have to go. There's no way that people will survive in this because this is Arabian de desert. Um, so they have to move here in the Fertile Crescent for water and sustenance, okay? So they have to go over here so that the trades will go like this way, okay? So God put Abram around this area. So notice, actually they are in the middle of this two big nation during that time. And for that reason, you can see that Promised land is really, promised land is a very strategic place when it comes to missions. Why? Because whoever will pass through Canaan, they will know that there is God. There's true and living God. God wants the children of Israel to influence the Canaanites. Okay? Not only the Canaanites, but through them, they would influence the whole world. Okay, so basically that's one of the reasons God put Abraham there. So through their godly living, they would know that there is a true and living God. But for many years, Israel failed to live for God. Instead, they let the inhabitants of Canaan influence them. So there's an opposite influence. They let the world influence their lives. Now, God's design is for them is not like that. So God's mind and heart, you can really see that there's mission. He wants a desire to reach out the world, even 
uh, the, the passage that we have read, even since the world began. And even in the life of this people in the Old Testament, he wants us to show that his heart is really for missions. That's why you can see, that's why you can see there that, you know, he placed the children of Israel in a very strategic place. Now, when you go to, in Abraham's covenant, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, God mentioned there that in, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, he also said that in Jacob, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 14, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. When Solomon built his temple and he prayed, and he said in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 40 to 43, that through this temple... People will know that there is the one, the true and living God. Now we will go to the New Testament, the church. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, the Lord Jesus Christ said, and, Je and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded thee, commanded thee, and lo, I am with thee always, even unto the end of the world. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke, the book of Luke 24, verse chapter 24, verse 47 to 48, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. John 20, verse 21, then said Jesus to them, to his disciples, peace be with you as my father hath sent me, even so sent I you. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You can say God wants his people to be a standing stone and carry the message of salvation to those who have not yet so to those who have no relationship in Jesus Christ. So God wants us, whenever we go, we have this message. We can carry out this message. Now, I want to show you last one thing. Here, Gezer. So we are now in Palestine. So this is the, uh, the place called Gezer. So this is Gezer here. And Jerusalem is around somewhere here. Okay, so, I, so Gezer is there. Gezer is one of the strategic places in Palestine. Uh, that's why Solomon, in Solomon's time, he fortified this city. Okay, he fortified this city so that he can control trades and information going in and out. This city, uh, so there's uh, like actually a saying he who controls trades controls the world. Controls the world. So the city connects the two international highways during that time. Now there's a, a one 
highway here. This is an international highway. So Via Maris, the way to the sea. And there's another one here, the King's Highway. In order for you to get there, you have to pass through Gezer, through Jericho Road. So very strategic place. You see now? So whosoever controls this place controls the trades and information. Not only that, he can easily influence the whole world because all the people pass through there, pass through that city. However, Israel was contented on their location up on the mountain. I'm not saying that, you know, Jerusalem is not strategic because the reason why, you know, the other empires failed or having hard time to, to go inside Jerusalem because it's very strategic place. But what I'm saying is that when reaching out the world, Gezer is the most strategic place, especially in influencing the world. Instead of them living on, uh, living on that place, they let the Canaanites inhabit the lower land. So they contended in the mountains. They let the, the Canaanites inhabit the lower lands. By this action, they committed a big mistake. Big mistake. Israel should influence the world, but they let the heathen occupy that place. As a result, instead of them, Canaanites now influence the children of Israel. Many Christians around the world today are contented, you know, in going to church. For them, that's, that's their thing. That's my part there, for God. Many churches today were contented of us and no more kind of mentality. Or whether they are so big, they're so big churches, but of course they don't, you know, exist for mission. They don't exist for the propagation of the gospel. So they're just contented of that. So I suggest to you that this kind of churches, this kind of, the kinds of Christians nowadays committed the same mistake that the Israel did. God's design for all the local church is to go and teach all nations. And the design to every believer is to be a soul winner wherever they go. But sad to say, churches, Christians nowadays, were infiltrated already by the world. Now, as it's a picture of the Old Testament. Instead of we influencing the world, now the world, inf now we are letting the world to come in inside the church, and the world influence the church. God wants His church to be a standing stone, and God wants every Christian to be a standing stone, so that when people see us, they will see Jesus Christ and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I, the Apostle Paul said, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. God called us to be that standing stone. It may need sometimes training, okay, some training. That's why we have Soul Winners University. That's why we have British Columbia Baptist College for that 
primary reason that will exist to carry out this gospel. And I would like to appeal to you parents, you are actually the standing stone, the influence inside your home, a spiritual example to your children. I would like also to appeal to you children, you can be a standing stone inside the house by obeying the authority and submitting to your parents. If you are the owner of a certain company of, or you are in a higher position, you, are a soul, uh, you can be a soul winner and an example for your worker and, or you, if you are a student. Wearing a soul winner's pin, that's why we have this one, is actually a living, a life, a standing stone for others. Putting a Bible verse on the wall in your home when someone will visit you, and especially he is not or she is not a Christian, he or she will see this verse. Bringing tracks everywhere, put it in your car or in your pocket, putting Bible in front of the seat of your car, that's how we can be a standing stone. That's practical things that we can do. God may not call us to go, right? To go into the foreign country and be a missionary, but we can actually serve God and be, still be a, car- a carrier of that gospel. But we have to realize that we have, and we have to realize also that we have a, what we call a mission field here in Surrey. And that's why we reach out. We go out. Whenever God put you, remember that you are the messenger there. At your work, at your work, uh, workplace, in your uh, school, you are the messenger there. Don't let the devil, the world, and the flesh influence you, your heart, and forget that you have a great commission. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are so faithful and you have let us see how you know how your great desire for people to get saved and we are pleading their father and ask and asking for you that our hearts should be burning and help us lord to see the people the way jesus saw them the way jesus can see them. They are, they are sheep who have gone astray. They don't have a shepherd, and they need a Savior, Jesus Christ. And the same with us who have, yet once we are, we are sheep with no shepherd, but now we thank you for the salvation that you have given unto us. But Lord, help us not to forget that we still have this commission. We have this mission. We have this command that you have given to us that we would share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 